2: Welcome to Well Far, the weekly running podcast that will be by your side as you train for 26.2. It's hosted by me, Amy Hopkinson. By day, I'm Women's Health Digital Editor, but when not in the office, I'm a marathon runner too. So this year, with the race on the horizon, I'm here to help with blisters and bruises, runners' highs and lows, what to eat before Sunday run day, and how the heck you refuel after. There is so much advice in this week's podcast, so keep listening because I have some great tips and tricks coming up for you. Hello everyone, it's that time of the week again, when you guys are tuning in to another episode of Welfare, and I am, well actually sat on my kitchen floor because believe it or not it's currently the warmest place in the house. Before I get into this week's episode I wanted to start with a few quick shout outs. I am absolutely loving all of the Instagram direct messages I'm getting about your running journey so The first one goes to Rianne, who was feeling pretty rubbish and sluggish after a weekend of eating rubbish. That's something I can totally relate to. Bit of a quick confession. After my hen I was in McDonald's at 8am ordering everything off the breakfast menu, according to my Lloyds Bank statement. That is £25 I will never get back. But hey ho. Moving on, um, back to rian So she was feeling pretty rubbish and sluggish and she really didn't want to go out on a run. But she said to herself she was just going to give it a go and see how far she could get. And lo and behold, she smashed out six miles whilst listening to the podcast. So well done you, rian The next one is a lady called Beth who messaged me to say that she's actually beaten her ME and is now back out running again. And she is just so proud of her body. And so Beth... That's such, such great news. Keep it up and keep enjoying it. And my third shout out goes to Rachel who messaged me to say that she used my tip of putting her running kit on the radiator before going to bed. And when she got up, she put it on and managed a a 5am run. You are far braver than me going at that time. So well done you. But that was just three of the many people who have messaged, but who are also listening to this podcast. So Thank you to each and every one of you who are tuning in, of course, in the UK, but also in USA, India, Sweden. And actually, we have a listener in the Bahamas. So hello, guys. You're great. Welcome back. Let's get on with this week's episode. So first of all, a quick update from me. I am not going to pretend it has been a mad old week and perhaps maybe not one to shout home about with regards to my running. I really didn't stick to my plan, in fact the plan went out of the window somewhere around 40,000 feet on the way back from Austria. So I got back from Austria and the reality of a wedding, a career and side projects hit me right in the face, and my life went from 0 to 100 in 24 hours, in fact, I think the only time I had to myself um, was on the loo, and even then, I'm not going to lie, I'm pretty sure I sent a few emails or published a few Instagrams from there, sorry guys. So, my training had to take a back seat last week, or at least it did with structure, and so the only way to get my training in was to get smart and fit in runs when I could. So. Every day last week I made sure that I had a long sleeve running top I I wore my sports bra every day under my clothes and I also made sure I had my running leggings and my trainers on me so that at any given point in my day when there was the opportunity to run and get some miles in, I did. So rather than taking the bus or the tube to do errands across town, I ran there and then I got public transport home or on the nights when I was coming straight home from the office, um, I ran home. And I also did a lot of walking, and that was basically just to spend as much time on my feet as possible. And so looking at my run stats, even though all of my individual runs are actually shorter than the planned mileage, the total weekly mileage wasn't too dissimilar from the plan. Although there was one whopping great big hole in my running week that I do feel I need to confess to, and that was Sunday run day. Last Sunday, I was not in any fit state to put my body through two hours of more of running after my outrageously fun hen the night before. The reason I'm telling you this is because if you have skipped a Sunday run day um, because you had a late night the night before, or you just can't fit it in and you are beating yourself up and worrying about it, please don't. There is definitely going to be times over the next, what, 12 more weeks when... Life is going to get in the way and you are going to have to skip a few sessions. But I really, really believe that it's what you do regularly, not randomly, that counts. So if you make sure that you seize every training opportunity and you don't not do a training session because you think, oh, I can't be asked, I really don't fancy it, then the ones that you miss are only going to be such a small percentage of your overall training that while I, while I wouldn't say it's ode- ideal, it is not the end of the world. And so many trainers will tell you that, that actually if you have to skip something, just skip it and move on and don't try to make up the mileage. So there you go. And after my wedding, I will be back on the plan and making sure that I'm doing as much as I can so that when I arrive at race day, my body is in the best physical and mental state. But that's enough for me. So what have I got coming up for you guys this week? I have got a great chat with a celebrity trainer called Dalton Wong who is so experienced in training well and recovering better. He's got so many tricks up his sleeve which he's gonna share with you guys to really help you keep pushing on forward. And actually, on the subject of pushing forward and pushing boundaries, this week I head out on a run chat with Challenge Sophie, who, in my eyes, is a shiny example of how fitness challenges can change your body and mind for the better. So that is enough waffling on from me on my kitchen floor. I should probably get up off it now and go make some dinner. Actually, I'm going to make some meal prep for the week. And so over to today's guest keep sharing your journey with me, hashtag welfare, and I will see you guys all next week. Bye now. So guys, today I am so excited to be talking about recovery and why sometimes running less rather than running more is actually good for your performance with Dalton Wong. So, Dalton Wong is a performance coach, personal trainer, and nutritional expert. He's got 20 years' experience helping clients all over the world achieve results. From training the likes of Jennifer Lawrence, Gwendolyn Christie, and Vanessa Kirby to women like me, he's developed a well-rounded approach to getting results no matter your age, body type, or goal. His secret weapon? Minibands and sliders. More to come on this. So, welcome, Dalton.
3: Thank you for that amazing introduction.
2: I know you are a big fan of recovery because you believe that a lot of people talk about all the other parts of training, um, food and the hard stuff, but yet skip recovery.
3: Is that true? Yes, it's so true. Recovery, I feel, is the most important thing. I always tell people they get fitter, healthier while they're sleeping. I have two wonderful children, and when they were growing up, all they did was run around, exercise, eat, of course, and also sleep, recover. And so... I think the problem is most people don't like to recover because it's something they feel is not important as, say, running or going to the gym or doing other activities.
2: Yeah. And to you, because I think a lot of people have different takes on recovery. So how do you define recovery?
3: So for me, recovery is something that can be passive, like going for a massage, going for a facial, going for a manicure, pedicure, anything that you just get to relax. Let your cortisol system just totally, totally relax. The second part thing you can do is what we have is active recovery. So it could be going to things like going to a yoga class, going to a stretch class, even doing cryotherapy or infrared sauna. There are a lot of things that will help your body recover so you can perform better and also have a better lifestyle.
2: Should it be done like just on one day each week or how do you...
3: The recovery so for me, personally, is that for every third or fourth intense session, you need to give yourself some recovery. So if you train three times a week, then on the weekend, you, not, you must commit to doing some sort of recovery. For those people who don't have enough time, if you think of your time while you're training, you could reduce that by a certain amount and spend the last 20 minutes, 10 minutes, whatever you can to focus on recovery.
2: Do people then not freak out about not getting results? Because people like, I feel there's this mindset where it's that you need to work out for as hard as possible. Yes. For the the most amount of time that you've got.
3: Yes. It's about working smarter rather than harder.
2: But if I'm not <laughs> So I really struggle with yeah. um I even struggle I know you with do. <laughs> I even struggle with massages. So I'll be lying there on a massage couch and the person will be going, Relax. And I'm like, I can't relax. I'm currently replying to emails in my head. I'm thinking about what I'm going to have for dinner, how I'm going to fit everything into my week.
3: So for someone like you who are like that, then you probably would, I would suggest that you could focus on things that are more active recovery. Okay. So you could do your self-assisted stretches. You could do a set of series of yoga poses. You could do, you could do things that what I would say are Quick, fast acting, like going to your cryotherapy, going to a sauna, doing things like that, that will take your mind outside of just lying there. There are a lot of people who can't just lie there and get a massage. But if you go to like you came to my place, right? You had a treatment, but Dave did the stretching with you. He got you active, involved in your own recovery. Then it made it easier for you to do.
2: And you've just mentioned cryo. Yes. So um, for anyone that doesn't know about cryo, so cryo is when you go into a chamber and it goes down to bitterly cold minus degrees, and it's been famed for helping with recovery. Yes. Is this something that you believe in, or do you think it's a whole load of cold air?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what? Personally, I do cryo. Right. So I like it because someone like me who doesn't have a lot of time, I can go there hop in the chamber for three minutes, I can leave, I'm done, that's my whole session over with. For me, it's a great way of finding something that's quick, that's effective, but also I quite like that bone-chilling coldness (laughs) since I am from Canada. So for me, (laughs) it's fine. We're fortunate enough because we get to try these things, it's really nice, but I totally understand for a lot of people it's just not financially or feasibly possible to go. But you can replicate it by, you know... I think this weekend it's going to be a cold. You can run outside in your pants. <laughs> you can put a bunch of ice cubes in a bath and you can get some cold therapy.
2: Just to talk about like the science behind it. So why does cold therapy help with they recovery? They just think
3: that it really helps reduce inflammation. Right. People are looking for the next big thing that's going mm. to help them get a competitive advantage. When you think about athletic performances... And people who are competing at a high level, they're looking for incremental gains. Yeah. You know, so they're looking for what's going to help them perform on the day. But I think for us, the way we look at it, it's more about a physical and health benefits. Right. So I think for us, anything that helps reduce inflammation, because when we exercise, it increases inflammation. We can do, we can eat foods to help reduce it. We can take supplements and we can recover it. All those things will help reduce inflammation. So I think for most people, it's about finding something that's going to help them recover more effectively. And that's something that they can do the thing is, when you think about recovery, it has to be done consistently. Okay. You can't suddenly decide, all right, um, I'm down in London, so I'm going to go to all once. and That's going to be my recovery. Yeah. No, it's about something that you can find that you can do consistently and doing it consistently well.
2: I'm just now thinking back to all the times when I've been running, when I've thought about, oh, I really don't feel like going running. My body really aches. And then you just push on through because you've got this training plan, which yeah. tells you you need to run 10 miles today. And so you go out or I would go out and I'd run the 10 miles, but I wouldn't be hitting my times. No,
3: and that most of the time when you get a plan, it's personalized to you. Mm. But maybe for a lot of the people listening, it's not personalized to them, right? Mm. They got it out of a great magazine or they've downloaded it and it's a very generic program. No one has taken into account how well they're eating, how stressed they are, any prior injuries, how their cur- what their current fitness levels are. What I'm trying to say here for everyone is you know that voice when you're running, if it says stop, sometimes, of course, you have to push through it. Sometimes that's just total laziness saying, (laughs) I really want to go home and eat mince pies right now, and I don't (laughs) want to do anything. That's the voice you have to push through. But the voice that says, well, my knee's a little bit sore, it's twinging, it's twinging, do I keep running? I think that's the thing that you need to really listen. Or you wake up and you're really sore, and it's one of those things that you get out of bed and it just doesn't feel okay. I'm going to tell everyone listening right now, your body's not going to notice if you take a day off. It'll thank you for it, but if you run, if you shift your training plan to a day later, it's not a big deal. If you miss one run out of your whole 12-week program, it's not going to make a big deal. It's about making sure that every time you go out there that you're performing to the best of your ability. When you don't, for me, I feel if you're investing a lot of time in and exercise, you must perform the best you can each time, or else it's not worth it. Okay. If you're going to go for a 10-mile run, and it's going to be terrible, you, mu- you are much better off staying at home, having a lovely cup of coffee, reading the paper, and just relaxing. There's no point wasting energy for not performing to the best of your ability.
2: So I've been told before, like, recovery is when you get fitter. Yes. And that's when you make gains.
3: Yes. After we've gone to the gym or gone for a run, our body recovers while we're sleeping. Right. That's when we're – our hormones and our brain is all repairing ourselves. So if we're not sleeping well, if we're not eating well, and if we're not giving our bodies enough time to regenerate, then we're not going to get fitter. We're not going to get faster. We're not going to get stronger.
2: yeah. That's, that's a really good point because I feel at the moment we're all being everyday athletes yeah. and trying to train like athletes, but actually we're doing the physical fitness side. But because we've all got full-time jobs or like you have said, family and all these other commitments, we actually don't have the time to no. do all the recovery stuff, which they do. Well, so when your clients say to you, I don't have the time to do it, what's so your I'm response? So I'm lucky enough,
3: they're coming to see me. So we will factor it in, in the workout. I have two approaches. So there's a lot of people who come and see me consistently throughout the year, and we will say, so every fourth or fifth session, you're going to have recovery. So you'll come and you'll get your treatment. Or I have another type of client who are more determined by how the school holidays run. So for instance, for all the mothers out there and fathers who have children, you can think of your training schedule as intern. So when your kids are intern, what I mean by that is they're at school you train well, you eat well, you do all the things that you're supposed to do. But when your kids are off term, like a half term, that's the time you can rest and recover. That's the time you can spend with your family, enjoy going out, doing much more family oriented things. And that's when your body can recover. I've been doing this for 20 years. Taking a week off or two weeks off is not going to have a disastrous effect on your exercise program. So there's two ways. You can think of it as weekly I'm going to do something or you can think of it as more of a cycle. Okay. And so it's finding something that works for you.
2: So with that, I do a lot of foam rolling at the beginning of my workouts Mm -hmm. because I was once told that it helps calm my body down Mm because I'm normally quite stressed before starting my workout. How much do you believe in foam rolling?
3: So I think there's a time and a place for foam rolling. So lots of people like it because it helps release the fascia. So it's a nice way to get your body primed for exercise. A lot of people like to do it after. So doing it after helps release some knots. I personally like to do it a little bit before, and then we go into a dynamic warm up, and then we resume our program. But what I do get my clients to do is I get them to do it when they're not exercising. Right. So for instance, they'll come home late at night, they finish the work, they'll have their dinner, and they're sitting watching TV. I'd get them to foam roll then. It just helps release the tissue of the fascia, and then they can work on various trigger points in their hips, in their bum, in their IT band. And it's something that they can do while they're actively recovering. So it's basically while they're watching TV. Watching on Netflix. (laughs) Yes. I just think people just have to find a time. You know, there's a lot of trainers who are adamant about when you should and when you shouldn't. I'm at the point, as long as you do, I'm happy.
2: How much do you believe that nutrition is part of the recovery journey? Because there seems to be this obsession on what you eat before a run and what you eat afterwards.
3: Mm -hmm. I think nutrition is equally as important as all of them. It's equally important as the running, as the working out, as the recovery, as the lifestyle. So if you think of us as a car, if you don't put good fuel or any fuel in your car, how do you expect it to run? And I also want to put out there is that a diet or a nutrition plan is individual to that person. Mm. So, for instance... I'm Chinese, so if someone like me, I can eat rice and I can eat white rice and I, it'll have negligible effect on my body composition, on what I look like. But for someone else, having pasta or bread might not work for them. So I think it's finding a right combination that works for that individual. Now, I think also you have to be very mindful that because you're exercising doesn't validate you or allow you to eat more <laughs> than you need to eat because you're going for a run. So I always put this analogy that When I eat something, is it helping my exercise plan or is it hindering? Now, 99% of people will know when it's hindering. And if you choose to do it, then that's fine. But for me, if if you're trying to accomplish something like running a marathon, working on your body composition, feeling better, then your diet has to really reflect it. I just don't believe that you should ban certain foods or certain things from Mm. your diet. But it's whatever works for you. And for me, it's about making sure that you have enough energy to fulfill the exercise that you're doing. So I think nutrition is a really, really important part because Mm -hmm. most people, when you're doing a lot of running, your digestive system plays a really important part in making sure (laughs) that the food you're eating can help be then converted into fuel for your workout. And so I think for most people, they just have to find – A plan or a nutrition plan that works for them during this time period. Now, this nutrition plan that you're working, that you're doing right now for your exercise, doesn't mean it has to be the same one when you're coming off your plan.
2: That's all great. Because I think actually, a lot of the time we focus on the fact that we've just got to run this 26.2 once, but actually, for 16 weeks before that, say, you're probably running 35 miles a week. So then that's actually. Before getting to the 26.2, you're running hundreds and hundreds of miles. And that's what I think maybe we don't think about.
3: I, and I also think, like the, like you just said, the day you run the marathon is probably one of your shortest runs because yeah. you're only running that marathon that week. You've probably done a couple of runs, but that's probably the low. You know, by the end of your 16 weeks, it's probably the lowest miles you would have run that whole week. So I think it's, it's about making sure that your body is primed for that day. And how do you prime it for that day? It's making sure that every single week leading up to it, you've taken really good care of yourself by your exercise, by your eating, by your lifestyle factors and by your recovery. So
2: I've noticed that you use mini bands a lot yeah. with your celebrity clients.
3: Not everyone has access to the gym. Okay, And not everyone has the time to go to the gym. Yeah, So the mini beds are just a real portable way of doing some lower level resistance training at home. And so for people who are running, one of the big things that I really f- I want them to focus on is make sure their glutes are strong because when you have strong glute muscles, it's just going to help your lower back health. It's just going to help your legs move at a much more efficient pace. And by doing some type of resistance-based training – at home will allow your legs to be stronger fitter and help you with the endurance it takes to complete the marathon kettlebells you can use you can use dumbbells as long as people do some sort of resistant based training it helps you know for me where I was trained they use a lot of mini bands for a warm-up because it really warms up the muscles before exercise and so we use them I use them before I go for a run it just fires up my glutes and then I go for a run
2: say you, you're about to embark on a challenge like a marathon, is it a good idea to keep a kind of a training diary? Of course. So that you can see actually when you're exercising and when you're not.
3: I put it this way. Everyone has budgets. Everyone has financial planning. Everyone has all this stuff. When you're going on an exercise plan, you have to have some starting point. Mm. You have to know where you are and how you're going to get there. And how do you know how fast you went or how many miles you did from week number two to week number 10? So I think you have to have a training journal. You have to know what you're doing. So how do you know if you're improving or not? So I think it's 100% important that you, A, get a plan,
0: Mm.
3: B, keep consistent track of your plan, and C, have a really good, thought-out program on how you're getting there that covers all your aspects. The running, the strength training, the recovery, the the nutrition, all that sort of stuff.
2: And you obviously brought out your book a couple of years ago, The Feel Good Plan, and that was all about making daily habits. Yes. And creating a body for life, as opposed just for a six-week or an eight-week goal. Yes. So when it comes to running, what daily habits would you tell people that they need to have?
3: Okay. So the daily habits need to be, you need to have a bit of routine. So what I mean by that is, before you go, I always tell people, you need five minutes of getting yourself together. So the, the checklists that I have are, A, make sure you're well hydrated. Yeah. B, you've got all your exercise kit ready. So your shoes, your socks, for you, your sports bra, your music, whatever you need. C, is that you have enough energy to do your run. So whether it's a long run or short run. And the last one is that you've gone to the loop. So those are the four. Once you have those four, you're ready to go. And so I said, before you get out the door or as soon as you step out, you must do your three stretches that are going to help you run better. So I get my clients to do like a hip flexor stretch, a hamstring stretch, and a calf stretch, an active calf stretch. Then I say, you're good to go. And it only takes five minutes. So when you've taken that time for those five minutes, your body is primed, ready to go to do your run. If you don't and you put your shoes on, you're thinking about, oh, I should have sent that email. Oh, I should have done this. Oh, I forgot to have my water. You have all those things that you're thinking about and you are you could be 10 minutes into your run and you find out that you're just not hydrated enough or you have enough energy. And so it's about having those daily habits that are going to help.
2: What stretches do you think people skip that we should all be doing?
3: I think most people do a quad stretch, obviously, and like a hamstring stretch, but most people don't do a really good hip stretch. And if you're thinking your hip flexors are the one that's running your legs around, yeah. that's a really important to do. I like to do it before, and I like to do it when we come back.
2: So I feel that runners a lot talk about tight, like having tight hip flexors mm-hmm. and tight hamstrings. Mm-hmm. Is that really frustrating as a coach for when people come to you and say that? Because you're like, we'll just get into a regular stretch routine. Yeah.
3: And so what I try to tell those people is you just have to think if you just took a little bit of that energy that you would have in that commitment to running by just even you know, like what you used to do probably at night, just came home and did a couple of key stretches. Mm. It's just really going to help make that difference. Yeah, it's
2: really hard to undo damage, isn't it? But yes. it's, well, it's easier to prevent it than it is to and, undo it. Prevention
3: is not so sexy. Yeah. And the thing is, when you're running, it's so cyclical and you do it for so long, you just don't wake up with your bad knee or bad back. It twinges, it's fine, you keep running, you keep doing the activity, and then it sort of goes. And then all you're doing is playing catch up. You're just trying to treat a, an injury and then you're running. And so my view is if you know that these are common things that happen, there's a lot of things you can do to help prevent those things.
2: Yeah, because it, t- it does take such a big toll on your body. And I, I don't think I really thought about that until I hit my 30s yeah and I was like actually my fitness life is not separate to my normal life yeah so actually I'm punishing my body or in the gym or going on a super super hard run and so actually I need to tip the scales back in its favor with like nice things as well which obviously is recovery yeah
3: you know we've always talked about it's all about balance Mm. it's about you know there'll be times when you're training hard and there'll be times that you're not but it should be a very balanced approach to your lifestyle and to exercise and what I would say to most people and What I try to tell my daughter, who's 13, Mm. is that exercise, eating, and a lifestyle all needs to be very balanced. What I mean by that, it's okay to have an ice cream. It's okay to have pizza. It's okay to go out for an occasional drink. It's okay to do those things. But it's something that has to be factored in in a healthy lifestyle. There'll be times in our life when we can exercise, but there'll be times in our life when our body is much more Able to exercise because we're less stressed. So mm-hmm. it's about knowing when those times are and taking advantage of those times.
2: So, would you say just for marathons, it's like fitting marathon training to your lifestyle and fitting your lifestyle to marathon training? Perfect. That's right. Make sure they go hand in hand. And,
3: and like for most people, it's you have to realize when you're doing a marathon, what are you trying to achieve? Mm-hmm. Most people are doing it because they're doing it for a charity. The charity doesn't mind if you do it in four hours, four hours 10, four hours 30. <laughs> You're doing it because you want a sense of accomplishment. Now, if you're somewhat of a semi-professional and you're trying to achieve something, then by all means, you need to make sure that you have certain times you have to hit each week. But for your person who wants to do it, my view is if you're going to do a marathon, complete it in a time that you think you can successfully achieve it in, that's not going to really hinder your normal lifestyle. It might hinder it a little bit because you're a bit more exhausted, but it should really help you. If you're doing training, a lot of training um, for a marathon, you should feel the health benefits. You should be fitter, healthier, and happier. It shouldn't make your life worse. It's a fun thing you're trying to do.
2: <laughs> oh my God, you've, you've just hit the nail on the head. What amazing advice you've just given. And thank you so much.
3: Thank you for having me. So
2: to wrap up, I feel like the summary of our chat is stretch more,
3: mm-hmm.
2: stress less, yes. and slow down if you need to. Perfect. So thank you, Dalton.
3: Thank you very much for having me.
2: So I am setting off on this week's run chat with Sophie Radcliffe, who you guys will know as Challenge Sophie on Instagram. She's the girl that is always posting from around the globe, smashing challenges, and is basically just
1: a babe who's really living life. So (laughs) welcome Sophie. I'm giggling because that (laughs) was such a great intro. Thank you so much for making my day. So
2: Challenge Sophie, where did that moniker? come from
1: and where did it all begin <laughs> it all began from a desire to challenge myself funnily enough when I first left uni and came back to London and I was like what am I going to do with my life I've got to get a job right so I get a job 22 I'm doing sales working in a London technology startup and within six months I'm like is this really it like is this really my life where I'm just working it's actually quite unfulfilling I don't really know where I'm going I don't really have anything particularly that I'm working towards or anything like that. I'm going to the pub a lot. I was like, I need something, I need something else. So I decided that I should challenge myself. And I was like, looking online, I came across this adventure race in the jungle of Borneo. It's called the Kinabalu Challenge. And it was run by British military fitness, who do all the like military training in London's parks. Signed up for the challenge, started getting fit, just like, I wasn't, I was sporty at school, but I went to school in central London and we were really bad at sport. So I didn't have like any kind of athletic background, um, was very unfit, partying a lot, quite wayward. Yeah, so I was like, right, that's it, I'm gonna do this. And all my friends and family were really shocked. They were like, this is the new Sophie. <laughs> I got a bike, I started commuting across London on my bike from West London to East London every day. I was loving it. And in the 2008, I went off and did this adventure race in Borneo, in the jungle. Spent a week there, doing all kinds of different sports every day, like trail running, mountain biking, climbed this mountain, we camped in the middle of the jungle. And what happened in that jungle changed my life forever because I felt like someone had lit this fire inside me that i had been waiting to be lit my entire life. And what that felt to me was like, It was freedom and it was a way to become the person that I wanted to become and freedom from all the stuff that had been holding me back. Just confidence, that was a really big thing for me. Like I wanted to be brave enough to be myself, to have body confidence, um, to take risks, to be like someone that could be a go-getter in life. And I felt like life just tries to put you into a, a box and kind of almost put walls around you and society and just make you feel like maybe you can't do what you wanna do or you're not good enough or you're not the person who should be able to do that. And realistically, we're the only person that can prove to ourselves that we can. And I think that is the most powerful and valuable lesson we can ever, ever prove to ourselves is that we can, and whatever that is to you. Was there?
2: One particular aspect of that challenge, when that you, when you kind of had that breakthrough,
1: it was once we finished actually. And I mean, the whole thing was just unbelievable, and it's amazing adventure and experienced so much, met so many great people. But it was the feeling of when I came back to London of having set myself a goal, having been committed, trained for it, even like raising lots of money for charity. But just like breaking through one barrier after the next, like these barriers that we have, these limits that we have, these fears, these doubts, these anxieties, they're all fluid. Like none of them are set in stone, isn't they? (laughs) Every single one of them can be negotiated. And that's why I love challenging myself because I love to see how far I can push them. And so what happened was over the next couple of years, I was in working my job and I started building a team and I was like doing one challenge after the next and I would just see something and think I'm going to go do that so after the Borneo thing I did my first triathlon and I was like oh I quite like this cycling thing so I'm going to cycle London to Paris in 24 hours having only cycled 40 miles once in my life that was the furthest I'd ever cycled then I just saw a picture of sunrise on the summit of Mont Blanc and I was like always wanted to climb mountains I'm going to learn to climb mountains and climb that mountain. And little by little, these challenges, like each time you do one, it just gives you more confidence and instills this kind of power inside of you and to dare yourself to believe and dream more. And how did your mates react? Did you drag them along on the same
2: challenges or was it suddenly like they're going out partying, yeah, getting in at
1: whatever time and you're getting up to train? They thought it was really cool. thought it was really impressive and they loved it and they saw how much it lit me up and how much I loved it. But they definitely didn't want to join me. (laughs) Now they do. (laughs) Do they? No, Yeah. Oh my God. Now they're desperate to. Everyone wants to get involved. Because you've gone on from there to run 100 kilometre ultras. Yes. (laughs) You've cycled the peaks. So I've done the three peaks a couple of times. Once with cycling between them. And then... I did this challenge, which I do love, called the Alpine Coast to Coast, which was climbing the highest mountains in the eight Alpine countries and cycling between them. And how long did that take? 30 days. 32 days. Oh, my God. (laughs) No one else in the world has done that. So I'm, like, waiting for someone to give it a go. So you're basically a world record holder. (laughs) Unofficial. It's it's a world first. A world first, Okay. Amazing. Amazing. Um, And then, I don't know, I just feel like once you start, you know, and it might not sound like I kind of started with baby steps, but I can remember so vividly when running three miles was the hardest thing in the world for me. I was always the one that was super sweaty at the back of the pack, but I, I never really worried so much about whether I was a cyclist or had done enough cycling, whether I was a runner and done enough running. You know, I just went and did stuff because I wanted to create these challenges myself. I wanted to do the things that were like the biggest challenges I could think of because I I knew how much I was gonna grow and change and how much of a positive impact that would have on my mindset and ultimately my life. Do you think
2: that it was the fact of having the challenge and the distance that kept you training? So if you found three miles really tough, and you were only running to run three miles, perhaps you might not have gone out again, but because you had these big challenges, you're like, I have to get there.
1: Have to get there. Definitely, definitely, definitely. I'm an endurance person, so, you know, often the first part of the run can be quite hard. Your mind and your body sort of like batting against each other, and then once you do something that's longer, you just kind of settle into it. You accept it, and you're like, okay, this is what I'm doing. And I talk about like being in the pain cave. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Please do explain to us what the pain cave is. The pain cave is basically the cave of pain that you submit yourself to when you do anything really physically and mentally demanding. You know, I, I definitely feel like I reach that in a gym class. But what happens in that cave is we have two options. Either it gets hard and you stop, or it gets hard and you keep going. And I always want to be the person that keeps going. You've got to accept it and you've got to be like, it hurts, but this, this pain is teaching me something. It's making me more resilient. It's making me stronger mentally, physically. And that doesn't just make you stronger as a runner. It makes you stronger as a person. And that is the part that's always got me hooked on these challenges.
2: And do you think you treat your body differently? Because your body is now essentially your job.
1: Because you've turned Challenge Sophie into your platform, into your career? Yes, I do, definitely. I mean, I look after myself. I've I've subjected my body to a ridiculous amount, like insane, but it's my mind that has been the the kind of like, I don't know, I, I think it's so interesting. Whenever you're training or even you're doing a challenge, it's this constant movement and conversation between your mind and your body. That's the, the bit I love, like, that's why I like to be in the pain because I'm like, if I can get myself to manage my mind, to make my body do extraordinary things, and then come out the other side and maybe talk about it, or write an Instagram post, or write a blog about it in a way that makes someone else want to try that and achieve the same things for themselves, then that's great. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and
2: what about the days, though, when you really just can't be asked, because you must have them? Totally.
1: yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> of, of course. Like, Thank goodness. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I've gone so much better at just letting myself be. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, especially this year, I feel like I've really turned a corner because, you know, things are just in a different place and I'm able to relax a bit more. Like, I don't actually run, like, marathons anymore. I haven't done an Ironman for a couple of years because it's not what I want to do right now. Like, I'm more interested in my own general fitness and then I started this youth empowerment initiative called trailblazers so I'm kind of like using all of this stuff to work with teenage girls that are struggling with mental health and build their own confidence and help them get active outdoors and stuff like that and what do you do with them I run workshops with them okay basically we work on confidence and we also go on adventure camps and we do challenges nice (laughs) yes and then reflect on it, and I feel like everything that I've learned from the pain cave and all these other things, experiences, I'm now being able to plug into trailblazers, which I love. That being said, I do feel like I've got another Ironman in me pretty do soon. Do you? Know. Yeah, I do, I do. <laughs> How long does it take to do an Ironman? Um, it really depends. I mean, I think the pros do it in under nine hours. Mine were 13 hours and 14 hours. It's like an extreme triathlon, isn't it? It is, swim cycle and then you run a marathon. And you know what's weird, okay, so, there's pretty much one thought that dominates your head. It's, I can't believe I have to run a marathon after this. Because you are exhausted from the swim. The swim is like 2.4 miles, I think. Then the bike is 112 miles, which is like London to Brighton and back. And then you have to run a marathon. It's it's extraordinary what your body can do. And how did you get through that? my mind (laughs) you just got to keep on going and you've got to have that motivation and your motivation has to be absolutely watertight like when you're committing to something like that you can't ever ever let yourself think that you're ever going to stop like that's a decision you have to make when you sign up for the race when you go there and then you just have to put all of your energy into the positive aspect of it so for example like So many people worry, before the race, even on the race day, worry about the the training they've done, the training they haven't done, all these things that could go wrong. Every single energy that you use in a negative way is energy that you need to put towards you completing that race. So I just block out all those thoughts, like I have loads of mantras, I have loads of ways that I manage my mind to just literally like, that thought is not welcome in this head. And, and I'm just resolute that I'm going to complete it because I want, I want to be the person that does. Just don't entertain the negativity. Ultimately, if and when you do complete that challenge, you will be a different person. You will wake up the next day, you will absolutely be a different person and no one will ever be able to take that away from you. And, what, and that's why I love it. I'm finding it very inspiring listening to
2: this. <laughs> but what about all the people that say... I'd love to do a challenge, but I just don't have the money.
1: Okay, so I remember when my actual first marathon I did, I just ran London to Brighton one day with two friends. You're looking at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> like, that doesn't cost any money. Did, did that come across in my face? It must yeah. have. Yeah, <laughs> like, we got some maps from a friend of ours. So we literally packed a bag full of jelly babies and flapjacks and water. We took a map, we went off and we ran. We arrived in Brighton 17 and a half hours later, 100 kilometers, 62 miles, two and a half marathons, you know, through the Bluebird fields, over the South Downs. It was, it was amazing. Wow. It was insane. But you know, that doesn't cost money. So a lot of the stuff like that I do, I, I just try to do stuff that is accessible and that used to drive me in the first place as well. But I do understand sometimes people want the motivation of a race.
2: And how about, obviously you're always on the go and you're always training. Um, How much running do you do in your week at the moment?
1: Well, right now I'm training for a 10K in May. So I'm trying to up my running. I'm trying to do at least two 10Ks a week. Um, Because I got really, really, really into the gym in the last year. I trained at UNIT and I just loved it. And it was just like, when I first started doing these challenges, they were a way for me to create more excitement and energy for my life. But as it's become my career, my life is so much more demanding. I don't have as much surplus energy and time to like go on long runs, but whenever I go out and I go to like different places around the world, got up to Scotland there's literally nothing I love more than just packing a little backpack and going off running yeah I feel the same it's the first
2: thing I do whenever I leave London and I stay somewhere new like I just love the next morning getting up and oh, yeah. going for a run and
1: just seeing new things and yeah it just feels really freeing it does and it's, it's such a great way to explore like You know, I remember um, a friend of mine once, she messaged me and she said, there's really cheap flights to Belfast. Let's go up there and let's run the Giant's Causeway. Beautiful coastal trail. And we basically ran it over two days. Ran, walk, ran, walk. Little backpacks on our back. Stayed in little Airbnbs that we booked along the way. Ate fish and chips and ice cream. And it was like this amazing adventure. We ended up running, I think 60K or something all together. That's what I love about it is, is, you know, it's opening up your mind to actually go and find a trail that you think looks amazing. Running is an amazing way to explore the world and just open up your mind and have that free time to yourself to like process your thoughts and you know make yourself feel good. And
2: how do you, what's your injury prevention plan with all of this? Um, Exercise and challenges, is
1: there, is there anything the you do? The one thing that I do is, I'm very I back off when I have any niggles okay. so I'm very good at like not training through injuries or niggles and I, I somehow managed to have a resilient body, it's just been very kind to me, just listen to your body basically and as we we've got a few few minutes
2: left so I'm going to ask you one more question where does Challenge Sophie want to be in 10 years time oh, or good. what do you want to have achieved
1: I think that Trailblazers is my, is my legacy. It's my heart and soul. And I don't know exactly how it wants to, how it's going to evolve. But I do know that we have a massive crisis on our hands of young people feeling a huge amount of pressure in every way. And you know not being able to necessarily have the skills to deal with the uncertainty of life. And that's what I want to help them with. But I think really what would make me happiest is just if people just go out there and like, instead of worrying about all the things that could go wrong or the ways it might fail or how they're not the one that's gonna be able to make this challenge, just go and give it a try. That's all I ask of people is like, just give it a try because this could be the best thing you've ever done and you'll never know if you don't try.
2: What a perfect ending to this run. So there you go guys a lot of you are already on your challenge you're on your marathon challenge so just keep going give it a try Yeah,
1: one life live it (laughs) one life live it, do your best awesome
2: thank you so much for listening to Welfare your guide to conquering 26.2 if you've enjoyed this episode please do take 30 seconds to rate and review us on iTunes it really does make all the difference and I and the team read absolutely everything you write which means the world to us New episodes will be released every Sunday on all the usual podcast platforms, so please do subscribe and never miss a notification. Until then, thanks again to all of you for listening and supporting us and thanks to Mags Creative, the producers of this show.